What's crack? Big dogs. Welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to the headquarters. It is the Monday following week one of Sunday football day in America. Lot to talk about today. And I never really know what to do on the Monday videos. I'll get to some of your questions. I'll get to the live chat. I'll get to all you guys yelling at me about if so facto fucking 48 different things. Listen, we talk about 200 different players throughout the summer. Of course, they're going to be right. Of course, they're going to be wrong about a whole lot of bunch of gang shit. Um, so we'll cover all those and everything in between. Mondays, I'm, I'm kind of like in flux about what to do because there's so much to recap every single week. So Mondays are probably going to be these live streams where we talk about how I lost the remote to turn on the welcome bike sign. So I'm in fucking fluster right now. I don't know what to do. Thank God we have the nice underdog fantasy sign there to light up the bike a little bit. We're going to do uh, a full recap. I'll probably go game by game. I will probably dive into a lot of different snap counts, backfields, wide receiver situations, tight ends, different injuries and whatnot. Just trying to recap everything that I saw, everything that I know, everything that I've researched, everything that I've listened to following yesterday's games, as well as talk about the biggest waiver wire pickups of thy week. And there are a few spicy ones today. Let's start off with the fucking fireable job that the 49ers beat reporters have been doing all offseason. Like what fucking planet were they on reporting these things out of camp? Every day we heard about Brandon Ayuk and Trey Sermon. Every day we heard about him. Also, if someone wants to be an absolute legend while they're listening to this and just write down timestamps for the people that watch this in the future, that would be greatly appreciated because I get yelled at nonstop. I'll literally do a live stream and five seconds after it ends, be like, where are the timestamps? I'm like, motherfucker, I was in the middle of recording a live stream. How am I going to time timestamp YouTube are like the worst crevice of species that exist. So if someone wants to be an absolute beast and just do timestamps for me while I'm doing this, that would be really, really appreciated. Might even give you uh, give away a Patreon package. Might even give away a big dog membership. That's where you can get my rankings at any point if you just want to sh shut me the fuck up and never listen to me again. Uh, the 49ers beat reporters. It must be nice to have a job where you don't actually have to do anything correct. <clears throat> me and them. We're actually like Spider-Man memeing. Uh, because the the first thing that happened when the one o'clock games kicked off is that we heard Trey Sermon was a healthy scratch, which was obviously shocking because we've heard all the way up to this point, he was the number two running back in San Fran. And he got all the starter snaps when Raheem Mostert wasn't playing in the preseason. And then all of a sudden he gets the healthy scratch uh, for the game. And Brandon Ayuk comes out of the game with zero targets. I'm over here thinking I'm fucking slick, stacking Jimmy G and Brandon Ayuk in my E-Town get down lineup. Not the best. Not the best. So Trey Sermon doesn't play. Raheem Mostert gets hurt after like four snaps. What else is fucking new? And Elijah Mitchell takes over. Now, Elijah Mitchell is a player that we were very high on for dynasty and rookie drafts. All the way, you can, if you search my channel going back to maybe uh, April-ish, before the draft even, Really, really high on Elijah Mitchell. Extremely explosive player. Awesome combine. Came out yesterday and did the damn thing. After Moser got hurt, Elijah Mitchell ran the backfield. 19 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Jamichael Hasty, one carry, three yards. Hasty caught his single target. Elijah Mitchell did not get a target. This was not a high volume passing game for the 49ers. They got up very, very quickly. They were up 31 10 by halftime. Um, so they didn't really need to throw the ball much. What this leads to is unequivocally, we don't have the, oh Lord, we don't have the full uh, details of Raheem Mostert's injury. We know it's a knee injury and it's likely serious. He didn't come back to the sideline and try to get back into the game. Maybe it's an MCL sprain. He'll be out two to three weeks, but we've written this story many times for Raheem Mostert before. I'm 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 actually I'm not going to assume shit because there's no there's no reason for me to assume uh, what in, this injury might be. But if he misses time, uh, Elijah Mitchell, without a doubt, becomes the number one waiver wire pickup. 
this is still going to be a committee. What this likely means is Trey Sermon is now going to be active. Do I think that they use uh, a committee going forward? Yeah. Does it feel like Elijah Mitchell probably has a job? I'm not going to get cute here, right? Trey Sermon was a guy that I have uh, – I actually don't have him on any redraft teams, which is ironic because I was so high on him. But by the time drafts came around, he was like a fifth-round pick, and I wanted no part of that. In the seventh, eighth, ninth round, he was fun. And now Elijah Mitchell, who I'm going to pull up my screen. And listen, I plugged in an Ethernet cord. So when we're doing our streams, my internet should be a lot better. So you guys can like actually hang out with me for a little while without it getting choppy and shit. Let's pull up player profile and take a look at Elijah Mitchell. Uh, no fucking surprise. He is the most searched player on the website right now. I'm going to go through a bunch of the websites and resources that I look at the next day to really get a... Uh, an idea of, of what I'm looking at from the week prior. Elijah Mitchell, 5'10", 200 pounds. He was a guy that in college, actually, most of us thought he was going to be a 220-pound back that ran like a 4, 5, 8, 4, 6. Comes to the combine, 20 pounds less than his playing weight, 15, 20 pounds less. Runs a 4, 4, 0. Actually, a 4, 3, 5 is pro today, but we tack on a little bit of a little bit of time there because we know he's got the hometown, hometown discount out there on, on the pro days. Uh out of Louisiana Lafayette, small school, which is why you probably haven't heard of him, but he was he was there for a while, and he put up from some pretty prolific college numbers, as you can see here. Averaged over a thousand yards from scrimmage in three straight seasons. Just an explosive player, as you can see. Best comparable, to Jarek McKinnon, who the Niners tried to get going, but now it seems like Mitchell is in the perfect spot to kind of blow up there. Um, so Mitchell becomes the number one waiver wire ad for sure. Like you don't you don't blow waiver wire adds the top priority ad on a guy uh, on a wide receiver you don't do it on quarterbacks in one quarterback leagues you definitely don't do it on tight ends uh, you do it on running backs and you do it on guys like Elijah Mitchell who are in the 49ers offense who are explosive who are young whose backfield we didn't know which way the snaps and carries and all those kind of things are going and yes next week maybe something fucking weird I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Sermon's active and then Jamichael Hasty leads the backfield in touches and snaps and targets and carries would anyone be surprised? Absolutely not. But this is these are the guys you take the shots on. These are the guys we look back on and say like, oh, shit, that was the James Robinson of this year. And if you didn't shoot your shot on this guy, whoever did and drained it from half court was probably the guy that's in your championship. OK, so Elijah Mitchell, you're going to ask, do you blow your number one waiver wire on him? Absolutely, because you're not blowing it on him. You're using it efficiently on a guy like this. What do you do fab wise? This is really fucking annoying for me to have to do this. You just, you, you blow the fab, you blow all of it. You go, unless you're stacked at running back, unless you got like four or five comfortable starters, maybe you throw like 60 or 70 and hope it hits you. Uh, if you have an, a, a running back that got injured, if you had Raheem Mostert and you were planning on him being a starter for you, if you were one of the guys that took fucking Trey Sermon in the fifth round, you've got issues at this point. You blow it on Elijah Mitchell. You blow it all. You blow a lot of it. Maybe you want to get cute and go 95, but I can promise you someone in your league is probably going 100% in on him. So if you want Mitchell, if you want part of this explosive offense, you go and you spend your fab on Elijah Mitchell. Okay? He's not a plotter. He's not a two-down guy that will get carries in between the 20s and then gets taken out when they're here or there or wherever. Uh, he's a guy that they clearly have just shown that he's the next guy up in the lineup. Okay? I like Trey Sermon as much as anybody else out there, but he was just a fucking healthy scratch. I'm not trying to get cute and say Trey Sermon is going to be better than Elijah Mitchell going forward because we just saw how they felt about a guy like Elijah Mitchell. So you, you, you let it all fucking run when it comes to Elijah Mitchell, all right? Uh, on the other side of things, we have Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, um, both getting very involved. We are putting together – so I got intern Tony in the fucking bike right now. He's in the HQ in the sweatshop back there outside the door. Put together what we like to call – the committee or titty sheet. Some of y'all might remember this from last season. This is going to be a segment that I either, I'm not sure which episode I'm going to run through, depending on when he finishes the sheet. We're putting together a sheet, which we're going to uh, put out for those of y'all that are big dogs members every week. That's a consolidated sheet of all the backfields in the NFL that show you the snap counts, the snap percentages, uh, the routes run targets, carries. Uh, Tony, if you're listening to this, I also want goal line carries. So we can see what the involvement down there was. It's going to be one sheet that we update every single week. Uh, if you're a big dog member, I will pull that into discord to sign up to be a big dog member. The link is right down there. BDGE.store forward slash community. We'll get you our weekly rankings. We'll get you the titty, titty or committee sheet. It'll get you access into our private Q and A's on Saturday. It'll get you a whole bunch of gang shit. So go sign up BDGE.store. 
forward slash committee. And let me pull up what we have right now on the sheets. Or you know what? Fuck it. We'll just look at the um the stats on the sheet. And right now, Jamal Carry uh Jamal Williams, nine for fifty-four and a touchdown on the ground. DeAndre Swift, eleven for thirty-nine, zero touchdowns. Went into the week, really not knowing what's going on. We got the Swift like murder rumors. That was fucking nonsense, I guess. Uh, we have him possibly being less than 100. percent We had the rumor, the the reports come out right before the game that like Jamal Williams was going to take a lot of the workload, and he was in early and often. And Jamal Williams was very involved. Uh, eight targets or nine targets, I should say. DeAndre Swift, 11 targets. Also, have to remember this is going to be a weird game script for us to go nuts about right now. I'm not. I'm not going to uh, go crazy over this box score for a few reasons. One, because the Niners got up really, really big really early which might be the case for Detroit and their team overall going forward often the other thing was though Detroit ran like 90 plays or some shit okay so DeAndre Swift was in for a significantly higher number of snaps and we'll probably see him be in and I think this is going to be a committee like we kind of assumed it was going to be um most of the offseason so this is a Lions team that's probably going to struggle most weeks, TJ Hawkinson did his fucking thing. I feel really good about where we were with TJ Hawkinson, and I own him pretty significantly around my leagues. Uh, Debo Samuel blew the fuck up with Brandon Ayuk. Here's the th- I'm nervous about Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, there were rumors that like Brandon Ayuk and Trey Sermon were late for curfew. I don't know if that was just a weird fucking Twitter thing. People on Twitter are weirdos, bro. They just start making shit up, and then you have idiots like me that believe them. We'll see what happens next week. You're obviously holding on to Brandon Ayuk, but you're obviously not playing him in your lineup next week. If you own Debo, you're feeling pretty fucking good because he looked pretty damn good. Uh, so you sit on that. Debo feels good going forward. You know, you could drop some money on Jamichael Hasty if you want and see where it goes, but I would not. I mean, I mean, look at the numbers. I, I think the box score kind of tells it all when it comes to snap counts, when it comes to whatever. One uh, free resource that I really highly suggest you guys take a look at is lineups.com. So if you go to lineups.com, just go to the NFL, and then... They have uh, they did a really good job updating the site. In the offseason, it was kind of a shit show, but they got bought out by another company, and now they're up to speed on everything. So under NFL, if you go to the dropdown on lineups.com, you could see snap counts, you could see red zone stats. You could see a whole bunch of shit that they update pretty quickly. So all the snap counts from week one are already updated, so you can go to running backs, and you can filter it by the team, and you could see like the split between – different uh different running backs and whatnot okay so you have arizona where chase edmonds got 40 snaps to james connor's 34 60 to 50 percent of the team snaps uh and on and on and on and on and on so this is a very useful free tool for you guys to use it's something that we will be again we're going to be consolidating all of the numbers and stats onto our committee or titty sheet for y'all that are members so you can find it all in one place but this is one of the better free resources in thy world let's continue going down the game lineups i'm liking how this internet is working right now this is smooth we're gonna be able to go through my lineups on thursday real 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 upgraded from last time uh cowboys buccaneers we'll talk about thursday real quick uh zeke i this i mean i made a video last week saying that zeke was going to be trash in week one uh not to panic i'm not panicked a lot of you guys will kind of freak out about zeke and say he looked slow or he wasn't playing a lot he played significant amount of snaps he ran like 60 plus routes he's going to be fine uh anytime you play against the buccaneers you're going to struggle as a running back they just don't let up they just don't let up yards to running backs they just simply do not do it but looked really good for dak um, it looked really good for Amari Cooper and CD Lamb. So if you own those guys, you're feeling really good. I think we actually might have went over the Thursday night games on one of the videos, maybe Saturday's video. Let's keep going down the list. We have Eagles, Falcons, Miles Sanders was primarily the workhorse, but Kenny Gainwell seems to be the number two there. Jalen Hurts looked fantastic. Devontae Smith did his thing. The Falcons are a fucking joke as a franchise, as they have been for like four straight years. All y'all just keep hyping up their offense every year, and they fucking stink. I told y'all to fade Matt Ryan. This offense is going to be putrid their defense is putrid we're going to be fighting for the number one pick overall probably we should have taken fucking justin fields and we should have rebuilt and we should have taken a top five offensive lineman like i don't know what the fuck we're doing out here so atlanta mike davis took almost all of the work in the backfield but again like if he's not scoring if he's not catching a ton of passes that's just not an offense that you really honestly this is the way you almost have to look at the falcons right now like think of the way 
that we did not want to roster like Jets running backs last year, right? When people were drafting, even the last two years, when people were drafting Le'Veon Bell in like the third, fourth round, whatever, because they're like, oh, he's going to get all the work. He's going to catch a lot of passes. Think about Mike Davis in that same mold, but as a much less talented running back. Like he's running behind a shit offensive line in an offense that stinks. Yeah, he might catch a lot of passes, but they're not going to score a lot. It's just, it's just like Mike Davis felt like a really easy fade. I really like where Demonte Smith is at. Uh, also, drop in the um, drop in the chat uh, some of the biggest story. If I miss out on any of the storylines, guys, I'm just a a one human slash alien trying to get through the entire week of games right now. So I might miss out on some things, but I will try to circle back on anything that was relevant, anything that was big, anything that was um, needed to be talked about pretty much. And we will, you know, throughout the stream, we're going to recap all of week one, but we're also going to like dive into different waiver wires uh waiver wire targets as we're going through them so again if anyone wants to timestamp this that would be so 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 appreciated let's actually circle back and just go like injury by injury right now uh there weren't that many injuries in this in this slate which is surprising because week one i feel like my entire first video of the next day after week one is just talking about 55 fucking injuries and it's kind of nice not having to do that right now so we look at michael gallup has the calf strain and he's going to be out three to five weeks. The next guy up is Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson is a guy that you should think about on your waiver wire. I think he's worth picking up. Uh, I think we've actually seen this before with other Dallas Cowboys injuries and Cedric Wilson stepping into the role as the wide receiver three. But to be honest with you, like the wide receiver three in Dallas has shown not to be that significant. It's a pretty targeted funnel right now between CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson might make a big play or two, but it's going to be really hard to trust Cedric Wilson as anything more than like a boomer, but like kind of like Michael Gallup, man. And we weren't confident about throwing Michael Gallup in. So if you're in a dynasty league, grab Cedric Wilson, see what he's about. I think, um, I think you look at Cedric Wilson and he's got a pretty interesting profile. I remember actually picking him up in a couple dynasty leagues last year or was it last year or two years? Ago? I don't know. There was an injury to the wide receiver core in Dallas. And, uh, and I thought he was an interesting ad. So he's a big playmaker, as you can see. College yards perception, 19.2. He's a downfield guy. He's almost 26 years old. Hasn't really done much in the NFL. So uh, not not overly excited about Cedric Wilson, where some people might be really excited for whatever reason. Uh, so Michael Gallup's going to be out three to five weeks. I just think that's boost for Cooper, boost for CeeDee Lamb. Uh, Dalton Schultz seems to be like the top tight end there, but that could be Blake Jarwin being eased back into it. I could see their snap counts kind of fluctuating by week, uh, week to week. Then you have Ryan Fitzpatrick who suffered a hip dislocation. I don't know if we've got anything confirmed in terms of a timetable yet, but from what I've researched, this is going to be a pretty significant uh, injury. And I would say like best case scenario, I believe he's going to be out at least three to four weeks. And there's a possibility of it being like the majority, if not the entire season, Taylor uh, Heineke is going to step in and you look at a guy like Taylor Heineke. You know, there's always like people like to talk about all these backup uh, quarterbacks being like, he's the guy he can really be a fucking factor in the game and whatever. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's got some, some mobile ability here, uh, four, six, seven, 40, pretty good speed for just a random fucking small quarterback, whatever. But if you look at the rushing yards numbers, I mean, he's not a, it's not a, it's not a huge scrambler. I think the bigger concern might be what happens to the weapons. I don't know. Like I was never really high in Fitzpatrick. He wasn't a guy that I was like, Super, super excited about seeing um, him operate this offense. And like, yeah, we love Terry because of Fitzpatrick. We love Terry because we love Terry. We don't love the other players of this offense because of Fitzpatrick. And now, I don't know, Taylor Heineke, do whatever you want there. Pick him up in a super flex league. Obviously, if you're in a dynasty two quarterback, dynasty super flex league, you want to pick up a guy like Heineke. You always want to have any type of starting quarterback because they're very limited. Um, but in the same game, Maybe they rely a little bit more on Antonio Gibson, who saw 23 opportunities yesterday, which is fantastic to fucking see. Uh, he played over J.D. McKissick in a lot of passing roles or passing down situations. You have um, Deami Brown. Deami Brown is a waiver wire ad that we will be looking at at the wide receiver position. He was the wide receiver, too. With Curtis Samuel out, uh, he out ran routes over cam sims by a total of like 24 to 1 or some shit like that so diamond brown is a two again like i think i think a lot of people are going to get pretty cute with diami brown and like get really excited about him because they liked him as a prospect but if you objectively look at the situation he is probably the third fourth ish receiving option on an offense that has taylor heineke as 
their starting quarterback. So I honestly wouldn't really blow any fab on Deami Brown. You could put a bid in for him. If you don't get him, let someone else blow 5, 10, 15 on him. Uh, but Curtis Samuel will eventually be back, and we just don't really have a quarterback there. So I'm not I'm not like overly excited about Deami Brown. Kind of the same situation as like Cedric Wilson. For me, we have more injuries. Jerry Judy, high ankle sprain. This is pretty significant. Obviously, this sucks. Um, in this fashion, we saw him kind of tearing up the Giants at this point. And it looked like he was well on his way to a very, very, very big game and a very big start to the season. <sighs> then he gets hurt. Uh, Noah Fant, eight targets, leads the team, six for 62. So he's going to benefit from Jerry Judy being out. Cortland Sutton didn't do much. He wasn't someone we were high on at all this week. Again, we're a little bit nervous him coming back from the ACL tear. But he's going to be forced into a bigger role. Uh, the biggest upticks here would be Noah Fant and Tim Patrick in my mind. Tim Patrick's always been like a great wide receiver three in these offenses. He seems to just score every time he's getting significant snaps. So Tim Patrick would be the waiver wire ad for me over KJ Hamler, to be honest, because I think it's going to be a lot of Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, and then they're going to have their a lot of two tight end sets, I'd imagine. Albert Okwabunam and Noah Fant are probably both going to get a decent amount of run. So my preferred waiver wire target here is Tim Patrick. And then we look at the backfield for Denver. Javante Williams got more carries, but again, they were up pretty significantly for a large portion of the game. So that probably played into it. And then Melvin Gordon obviously busted that 70 yard touchdown run. And a lot of you guys just yelled at me all off season about how uh, Melvin Gordon wouldn't cause our running back by committee, but that's very clearly going to be the case on the other side of things. Saquon Barkley. I mean, we had him ranked at like RB 25 this week. I did not want to get him in any of my lineups and I think we're just going to see a limited Saquon for a while. I just think he was a pretty, pretty poor first round pick. If you, uh, if you made that pick, if your name is Snacks, then uh, it was a fucking terrible pick. And you got absolutely trounced by, was it Stevie Maggs or Larry Lunch? Whatever it was. Terrible, terrible first round pick. Uh, not much more to take away from this game, I believe. What else do we got? more injuries yeah so jerry judy's gonna be out for probably you know you know how the high ankle sprain works they're out for multiple weeks and then they're probably lingering for more weeks after that and they're just not themselves so if we see jerry judy like really being a thing it won't be till the end of the season super unfortunate because i really think he was going to break out and i own him in a lot of fucking places and that's just absolutely just killing me bro just absolutely destroying my fucking livelihood um what else do we got? Raheem Mostert, we already talked about that. Austin Eckler came into the game, missing a couple practices with the hammy. Was fine. Um, led the NFL yesterday in red zone carries. Had seven red zone carries. Had a touchdown carry from the three-yard line, which was great to see because we weren't sure if he was going to get any goal line work, and he did. Now, the pass catching work, that was a problem. Remember, we did this in week one last year as well. Uh, when he got a single target and then the second game when Justin Herbert took over he got four targets and you know what happened the game after that he got 11 targets guys it's Austin Eckler one of the best ca pass catching backs in the NFL okay we're not worrying about the passing work here he's going to be involved he'll be fine it's a great Washington defense get over it Eckler got a fucking goal line carry for you if you own Austin Eckler be happy that he's involved down there because the passing game will come not worried whatsoever about Austin Eckler, okay? And I believe those are the big injuries. Yeah, I saw somewhere, someone fucking posted about Antonio Gibson, like a, an AC shoulder sprain. And I really, the rumor I heard was a curfew violation. That would lend itself to needing to learn how to act professional narrative. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like, there has to be something about Ayuk. Like, there's no way you just play Trent fucking Sherfield over Brandon Ayuk. I'd rather play Gary Sheffield over Trent Sherfield. All right? Fuck that guy. Antonio Gibson. So was this injury report? There you go. Okay, so this was the account, Inside Injuries, that tweeted the, this out about Antonio Gibson. I hadn't heard anything about him being injured. Then they tweeted out, Antonio Gibson appeared to suffer an AC sprain to his shoulder when he landed on his left side while being tackled. I don't believe this is a serious injury, but it may be painful over the next few weeks. For, their, for now, there's no reason to believe he'll miss week two. Again, I haven't seen that from anyone. I don't know if they're just literally uh, just saying that they think that happened. Right here, 
biggest injuries from week one, left shoulder, AC joint sprain. Like no one said it's like that tweet where it's like no one. And then it's like just a random Twitter account making up fucking injuries. Medical peeps, Judy vis-a-vis -vis high ankle sprain, a moderate high ankle sprain could take 48 weeks to heal. Yeah. David Montgomery went to the locker room. He did something with his finger, but he came back and he was fine. David Montgomery looked great. Uh, looking like an actual fucking snack this year. If you drafted him, uh, we had healthy scratches of again, Trey Sermon, Zach Moss was pretty surprising, but again, we don't really want much of that backfield. I guess if Devin Singletary's on your wire, which is probably not likely you want to grab him if they keep Zach Moss, um, on the healthy scratch list, Devin Singletary is going to be pretty involved. Talking about that. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at game people are probably worried about Najee Harris a little bit I don't know what happened I think the Bills defense is probably a little bit better than we anticipated it was just a scrappy game it was a scrappy game from both sides where uh the offensive output was was just it was just sloppy I think it's just a week one thing Najee Harris okay going back to lineups Najee Harris 100 percent of the team snaps he played on 58 of 58 snaps for the Steelers okay I'm not worried he's probably one of my trade targets for this week OK, Najee Harris didn't do much. It wasn't great. And I think those games are going to come. But like the involvement's going to be there. And who do the Steelers play over the next few weeks? They get the Raiders, they get the Bengals, they get the Packers. OK, so Najee Harris is definitely a buy candidate right now because they had a beautiful, beautiful schedule uh, over the next three weeks. And that type of volume, that type of workload is going to lend itself to big, big games. All right. Who else on the waiver wire? So I feel like a lot of people are going to be going nuts about Mark Ingram and deservedly so. Like this came out of fucking nowhere. The Houston Texans putting up 37 points with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. Mark Ingram, 26 carries, 85 yards and a touchdown. Didn't catch a single pass. Did have a target. So he's not involved on third downs. I know the snap count was very, very split up between this offense. Let's go to their team here. So Mark Ingram had 50% of this team snaps. David Johnson is in on 30%. Philip Lindsay in on 30%. All right. So make sure you don't actually just go by team percentages here. They're a little, okay, 46, 28, 26, 13. So Mark Ingram, ton of carries. I mean, the problem with this is like, yeah, maybe he's their goal line back. Maybe he continues to be their early down back. But like, guys, are the Texans ever going to actually be leading a game again at the Browns? No Panthers. Like maybe, maybe the Texans aren't as bad as we thought, but they probably fucking are. You remember when the Jaguars won their first game last year and then they ended up losing like 45 games in a row. That's probably what's going to happen to the Texans, but they're not. I mean, listen, Browns, Panthers. Okay. Bills, Patriots, Colts, Cardinals. Like it's just, it's just, there's just no easy games on their schedule outside of like three games. Um, so don't expect Mark Ingram to get to be in game scripts where he can get more than like 10 carries a game. If you want to add him as like a desperate flex play, sure. I'm personally not going to be spending any money on that guy. Jamal Williams, another guy I think you could spend money on, but I, I think his case is kind of the same. He should get a lot of pass catching work because the, the lines are going to be trailing and they're going to throw the ball a lot. We probably will see Swift's snap counts rise a little bit as he gets healthier and as this offense starts to use him more and more. Um, but I think Jamal Williams will probably see 30 to 40% of the snaps regardless and probably see like five to six targets a game. So he's fine. The other one I want to talk about here is Ty Johnson, this Jets backfield, I think it was encouraging for Michael Carter. He played a little bit more than I expected him to. And uh, and Ty Johnson. So looking at the box score, it's pretty difficult to split up like what actually happened in the Jets backfield. If we go to the game and if we look at the box score. Ah, fuck. What did we do here? Against Carolina. So Tevin Coleman, nine carries for 24 yards. Ty Johnson, four for 15. Michael Carter, four for six. So just, just a disgusting, disgusting showing. Ty Johnson did have three targets, two Michael Carters, two. Tevin Coleman did not get targeted. Look at the snap counts, though. If you look at the snap counts, 
it was kind of a pretty uh, pretty wide disparity here. Ty Johnson had 35 snaps to Tevin Coleman, 17 to Michael Carter, 16. I do think eventually, even though Tevin Coleman led the team in carries and he was the starter, I think he's going to end up being the odd man out. I think Ty Johnson is going to work his way into the early down role. And I think Mike Carter, Michael Carter might have a little bit more of a pass catching role or just like a utility back when they want to give him breathers or just put him into like two minute drills or some shit. Um, but for right now, it's not it's not a, a backfield that you can actually start anyone in, obviously. Right. They're not going to produce at a high level, so you don't really want them. But if you want to hold on to one of them, I would hold on to Ty Johnson. He would be my one. Michael Carter would be the two to hold on to Tevin Coleman, whatever. But I mean, this might just be a backfield that you kind of want to want to get rid of. But Ty Johnson did more than double both of their snaps. So I think you guys should be aware of that. Uh, at the wide receiver position in terms of waiver wire, we have the Cardinals who I know, I know, I know I passed on Kyler Murray in the E-Town get down, but I passed for him on, 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 on the basis of Joe Mixon. And as bad as that looks, because Kyler Murray is, you know, that was a stat I dropped all off season. Like literally it was, it was I was telling y'all that Kyler Murray is like the must draft quarterback of this, this fantasy year. The dude, before he injured his shoulder last year from weeks one to 10, was on pace to have the single highest scoring fantasy season of all time, above Lamar, above Patrick Mahomes over the last two years. He picked right bike up where he left off in week 10 of last year. Was amazing. I think the Titans defense is so fucking bad. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of games like this. The Cardinals offense was humming. And as I expected, Rondell Moore was not very involved. A lot of people were going nuts about him in the offseason. He did have, you know, he had a nice little uh, uh, a little stat line of four for 68. But you have Christian Kirk, who outproduced him. Same amount of targets, scored twice. DeAndre Hopkins obviously got his. A.J. Green was even out targeting Rondell Moore in terms of, like, snaps and stuff. He was a wide receiver four. So Christian Kirk, I think, like, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, A.J. Green will all uh, alternate, their, alternate their production in terms of who actually, like, has big games, but the snap counts, man. D hop 88%, AJ Green 80%, Christian Kirk 57%, Rondell Moore 29%. Now, given the fact that Rondell Moore like actually produced at a pretty nice level, plus they were up pretty big. So, you know, we are getting the uh the guys in there to get some some play time towards the end of the game if we need to. Uh, Rondell Moore is a guy whose snap count could probably rise and probably at the expense of A.J. Green. But Christian Kirk is definitely a guy. If we expect Kyler Murray to continue, you know, throwing and just being this efficient, which which I do uh, for the most part, their schedule obviously will get eventually a little bit harder. But like the Vikings D, the Jags D, not that tough. Then it gets tough. Rams, Niners, Browns, and it's Texans, Packers again. Like they they have they have a mix of of tough games and easy games going forward. And then their fantasy playoffs, Lions, Colts, Cowboys. So nothing that I'm super worried about. This is a, a passing offense that you probably at least want some pieces of. Um, and you know, at this point, like you're not going to get D Hop or Kyler Murray for anything less than your fucking t- seventeen toes. I like the idea of uh, picking up a guy like Christian Kirk. What else do we got? What else do we got? Arizona. Yeah, the backfield split up again. As I said, Chase Edmonds got 40 snaps. James Conner got 34, and he was much more involved in the air, which is good to see because that's why you draft a guy like Chase Edmonds. So uh, Chase Edmonds should be viewed as like a top 15 fantasy running back going forward, which you know you got to be pretty fucking excited about. The other guy that I've been talking about a lot this offseason – Back to the Giants game with Sterling Shepard, man. I just feel like him and him and DJ have had such a tight, uh, him and DJ have had such a tight chemistry since DJ is coming to the league. And like with Kenny Galladay, pretty uh, underwhelming and less than 100% probably. Sterling Shepard like continues to dominate. I own, I own so much Shepard in my best ball drafts. Seven for 113, a touchdown on nine targets. I feel like Sterling Shepard is really, really going to be a nice value play for. Uh, first season long leagues this year, man. I feel like he's going to continue to get seven, eight, nine, ten targets per game. Um, he might not always be a great fit. Like if he's in, if you're in a standard league, more often than not, he's not going to score a touchdown. But I, I think he'll more often than not go like six for fifty, six for seventy, something like that. Because uh, the Giants are going to be trailing a lot. Because the Giants are fucking terrible. So I like Sterling Shepard a lot as a waiver wire ad this week, kind of under the radar. So we have Kirk, Sterling Shepard, guys like Tim Patrick, Cedric Wilson, Deami Brown. 
Elijah Moore is the other guy I feel like we kind of need to touch on only because he had so much hype. But Corey Davis just fucking balled out yesterday, man. Corey Davis looked great. Elijah Moore played on like 90% of snaps. He just didn't do, actually do anything. But it's good to see the snap count up there with Jameson Crowder out. James Crowder is probably going to be back, so we might see more snap counts drop from like 90 down to 70 or 60. Uh, so probably a hold for one more week, see what happens there. But if he doesn't produce again, you could probably let him go. And the tight end front, a couple guys, obviously Gronk if he's out on your waiver wire because he was drafted as like tight end 15 or 16. So sometimes in one tight end leagues, non-premium leagues, guys like the tight end 15 or 16 don't get drafted. Uh, so he might be on your waiver wire. He's absolutely worth it because he's playing like every snap for the Buccaneers. The other guy I want to mention is Jared Cook. Jared Cook is the starting tight end for the Chargers. It has been pretty confirmed after yesterday's game. Uh, he saw eight targets. He also ran 53% of his sn snaps from the slot. He was not blocking. Donald Parham played a, a pretty significant portion of the game, but he was in for a much higher percentage of snaps as a blocker. I think Jared Cook was in for like 6% of his snaps as a blocker. Donald Parham was up to like 27 or 28%. So we have... Um, as you can see there, Jared Cook with eight. Mike Williams looking like a really nice mid-late round value there. 12 targets, eight for 82 and a touchdown. Keenan Allen did his thing, obviously, nine for 100 on 13 targets. Um, Larry Roundtree seems to be, I guess, the early down backup. I'm telling you, yo, Larry Roundtree is just really not good. He is so not good. I'm shocked that they actually let Josh Kelly sit. Roundtree was a guy, when I started doing my research on rookies for the Dynasty Draft Guide, I watched Larry Roundtree and I was like, how is this guy like he is just not a good running back? He doesn't do anything except stay alive. Like he just he just like rumbles his way to four yards per carry, 3.7 yards per carry. Like he's kind of big, I guess, 211 pounds, runs a four seven five forty speed score, burst score. Like he brings nothing athletically to the table other than literally just staying alive. Uh, I don't know. I, listen, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not about to tell you to to roster Larry Roundtree. This feels like Josh Kelly 2.0. If something happens to Eckler and you like, maybe Roundtree gets 20 carries for a game. They realize that he's not good, and then they don't do that again. But cheers to fucking hoping Austin Eckler stays healthy. Eckler with 15 carries again, 57 yards, touchdown, gets the goal line carry, which was pretty pretty sexy to see. Uh, what other storylines do we have here? What's going on in the chat? Are we still live? I hope so. Yeah, let's go. Well, we got a thousand people in here. Let's fucking run it. Let's run it. Uh, Rams, Bears, Rams, Cooper Cup, and Matt Stafford are going to be a problem this year. I've been trying to tell y'all. I've been trying to tell y'all. Jameis Winston, five touchdowns on 148 passing yards. You love to see it. Oh, uh, I guess we can talk about Juwan. <coughs> Excuse me, Juwan Johnson. I, I want you guys to realize that he had three targets. Adam Troutman actually paced the team with six targets. So, yes, I know Jawan Johnson got a lot of hype, and those catches he made were pretty fucking sexy, and they looked very athletic, and he probably will continue to be a red zone threat down there. I wouldn't be surprised if he led the team in, like, receiving touchdowns. Actually, I would be, but uh, Jawan Johnson looked good. I just don't think he's going to get enough playtime or enough volume for me to – like, in, in what league, in what 10- or 12-team league are you going to be starting Jawan Johnson as a tight end one? I, I don't really see it happening. Um but we'll see. You know, James Winston, again, threw the ball 20 times only. So it's not like, you know, a normal 35-40 uh, throw game. You know, maybe Juwan Johnson sees six, seven targets in a game like that. Uh, we can get ex excited about it. The other guy here to obviously talk about is Marquez Callaway. Callaway was a guy I was super high on going into the year. And this was along with Ezekiel Elliott, who I said was going to struggle week one. I said Marcus Callaway was going to struggle in week one because he was probably going to see a lot of Gerald Alexander. Uh, again, James Winston threw the ball 20 times. He only saw two targets, so it's hard to really come away from it as a positive. One of the tools that PFF has is their shadow coverage charts, which I don't know if it's updated yet because it just fucking came off the rip. Let's see. I don't know why they do this. Like, rather than fucking moving to the year 2021, they would just rather say week 21. Like, just, dude, like, fucking update this shit so we could see if Jair Alexander shadowed Marquez Callaway. I don't know if we have any updates on that. Let me see uh, if anyone on Twitter had anything to say about this. Because this was a guy where I expected Callaway to really struggle. Uh, in week one, and if someone drops Callaway, you're picking him up. Jerry Alexander got cooked all game. I never want to hear his name in the same combo as Ramsey ever again. Okay. 
Doesn't look like we have any updates on whether or not he shadowed. Top defensive PFF grades from yesterday's loss. Packers season. By low and Marquez Callaway covered by Jerry Alexander the majority of the game, but still played 52 snaps. Yeah, so he was he was still the very, very, very much the wide receiver one there in terms of snap counts. I'm telling you, Marquez Callaway is going to have his big games. He's he he will after this, he will bounce back eventually. And I'm, I'm I promise you you're gonna be comfortable enough starting Callaway soon. As we predicted. Uh, okay. What else we got here? Uh, let's see what's going on in the chat. Any big storylines I did not cover? How are we feeling? I don't know what to do with Boyd. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't really a target for me in redraft leagues. He, he's a guy that just, he's not like a big-time playmaker. He, he's a guy who always thrived off of a volume. And when you add, like, you add a top five wide receiver, it, it, like, I, I don't know how much clearer it could have been for everybody that Boyd was going to end up being much lower on the totem pole. Mac Jones looked good. Jacoby Myers was clearly his first read for most of the game. Yes, from the Patriots game, Mac Jones did look very good. Jacoby Myers will have his his games for sure. This was just a, a gritty defensive battle there between Miami and New England with a lot of turnovers, a lot of mistakes. So I'm not taking away too much from this game, but Jacoby Myers will be the one. Uh, Damian Harris looks fucking great, which is good to see. Hopefully he doesn't get fucking benched. Pick up Nelson Aguilar or Sterling Shepard, 12-team PPR. Uh, give me Shepard there for sure. Uh, yeah, for anyone joining now, I talked about basically, I, I talked about all the situations that kind of came up. I talked about um, I talked about Elijah Mitchell. I talked about the Niners. I went through most of the games already, so if you want to go back to the beginning of the video, hopefully someone can timestamp this afterwards in the comment down below. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the channel, obviously. Make sure that you uh, hit the thumbs up button if you're enjoying the video. We got like 1,100 people in here, and I we probably have like 45 thumbs up, which is wildly disrespectful to the program, to the pierogies. What should I do with Ayuk? What return could I get? Yeah, so for now, I'm sitting on Ayuk. I think he's too talented. Maybe there's some truth to the rumors that he got back late on a curfew. I don't know, man. I don't know. Give recap on the Falcons. I already did. Like, I've been giving you recaps all, all summer that they fucking stink. Their offense is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. I'd fucking throw it in a blender and give it to a homeless person. But you know what? A homeless person won't even accept that shit. <sighs> what to do with Trey Sermon? I'm going to hold Trey Sermon. He's going to, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I think you have to assume he's going to be active next game. Let's see if he gets some carries. Let's see what he looks like. Best Bengals receiver option right now. I personally would take T. Higgins over Jamar Chase. I thought T. Higgins looked phenomenal. I think Chase looked great too. All the rumors about him like dropping passes, I think were fucking stupid in practice. Uh, I would take T. Higgins though. Drop James Robinson. Oh, that's the that's the other thing we could talk about. Uh, James Robinson and you know I, <clears throat> I said this to you guys. Oh yeah, we'll talk about James Robinson and then we'll talk about the Green Bay Packers offense. So James Robinson and Carlos Hyde split snaps. This is what I said. This is what you guys a lot you guys don't listen sometimes. Like we know what the committees are going to be. They tell us in the offseason and then when it happens y'all are like you guys yell at me you're like ho 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 Carlos Hyde is going to take carries. It's like fucking yeah, Carlos Hyde is going to take carries, not because he's more talented, but because Urban Meyer is a fucking idiot. Guys, it's 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 really not difficult to see these things happening. Like the the easiest telltale sign to know that you don't know what you're doing in fantasy is just to assume that talent wins out all the time. Almost never the case. Uh, 64% to 34% in terms of the snap counts. Uh, one interesting thing I did see yesterday while we were working on the titty or committee sheets, while we were working on the titty or committee sheet, James Robinson lined up out wide on 11 snaps. That's super interesting to me. Uh, and this was another reason, again, that I was a little bit lower on LaVisca Chenault. I was I was nervous about LaVisca because of DJ Chark and Marvin Jones back. We haven't seen all three of them on the field together, and both those guys outproduced LaVisca. So the snaps were different, but yes, Carlos Hyde uh, got more work, or at least got a significant amount of work when we're talking about uh, on the ground. And... 
Where's their game? Let's go to the box score. Yeah, so this, again, this was a game that they got trashed in, so we don't really know what exactly uh, the normal game script's going to be for them. But Carlos Hyde, 9 for 44 on the ground. James Robinson, only five carries for 25 yards. Uh, Robinson did get six targets. Carlos Hyde got two. So again, I think James Robinson is going to catch a pretty significant amount of passes out of the backfield. But this is not a team that like you're really banking on for a lot of uh, goal line carries. And uh, it's definitely a split backfield, man. Definitely a split split backfield. You're not dropping James Robinson, but I think you adjust expectations, and he's probably like a mid to low RB two going forward. Uh, are you high on Henderson after that game? Yeah. So Darrell Henderson absolutely just uh, monopolized the snap count back there over Sony Michelle. Again, Sony Michelle just came over though, so he might not have the playbook down pat, and they probably just want to use a running back that they trust, and they're just going to throw the ball a zillion times. I think. I think they are going to throw the ball a zillion times. Um, so I think Darrell Henderson would have his games like he did yesterday. Great game. Uh, he'll probably continue to see a high snap count, but I don't know if he is going to be the one for a really, 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 or at least like I think Sony Michelle will eat a little bit more and more into his workload as the weeks go on. But I mean, if you have Darrell Henderson, you're feeling pretty good. He's probably a mid RB2 right now. Uh, what else we got? We're going to talk about someone else. Oh, so, I mean, someone, someone messaged me like, are we dropping or are we, are we selling the Green Bay Packers? Okay. Uh, the Green Bay Packers guys, like the two thoughts of mine, like one, what Aaron Rodgers would say, R E L M F A X. All right. Re motherfucking act lax. That didn't come out well. I'm going to do control F on ESPN. They just pop up a stupid fucking video of Mike Vrabel. No one cares about you, Mike Vrabel. Yeah, so just disgusting showing by the Packers. Uh, it's probably what happens when you just play games all offseason and you don't practice together. few things to take away here, though. Uh, one, we have a 15-year sample, si sample size on Aaron Rodgers. I am not worried in the slightest about Aaron Rodgers. I am not worried about Devontae Adams. I am not worried about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was the clear one here, clear starting running back. Uh as soon as this game got out of hand, that's when you started seeing A.J. Dillon. That's when you started seeing Kylan Hill really get involved there. So the box score is disgusting for Aaron Jones, and it obviously doesn't feel good to have that week one. The other big takeaway here is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, man. Uh, tied Devontae Adams with seven targets. I think MBS is a pretty good waiver wire target. I think MBS is... We heard so many good reports about him all offseason, and we saw a lot of really solid targets to MVS throughout this game. They didn't connect, and a lot of it was ugly because Aaron Rodgers played ugly. Uh, but I think MVS is going to be like the legit number two here. Again, I'm not worried about Robert Tunyon. I'm not worried about any of these guys. It was a shit first game. Maybe the Saints defense is legit. Uh, maybe the Packers are just rusty as shit after all the drama this summer. But, guys, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like He's going to be fine, okay? The other thing I think we might need to consider here because the Saints were in Rodgers' face all day. The other thing I think we might need to consider here is that the Green Bay Packers offensive line might just be hurting, might just not be that good, or maybe not not that good, but they just might not be uh, what we have gotten used to seeing over the last four or five years. Because we have, one, Corey Lindsley, the all-pro center, Moved over to the Chargers, okay? That is a big loss that not really anyone is talking about, okay? Um, one, David Bakhtari didn't play, so he was out as well. So without Bakhtari, without Corey Lindsley, there is a chance that this offensive line might actually have some issues this year, and Aaron Rodgers might be under pressure more than we have uh, been used to seeing. So that could be a problem. That could certainly be a problem for the Packers this year. All in all, though, Rodgers, not worried. Aaron Jones, not worried. Devontae Adams, of course not. MVS, I think, is a good pickup. They play the Lions next week. So there's ever been a fucking bounce-back game that I've ever seen in my time of covering fantasy football. It is next week, Packers versus the Lions. Oh, Lord. Let's see. Um All right, that's probably going to wrap it up for me. We've been on for about 45, 50 minutes. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Make sure that you got notifications on 
uh, the, hit the little bell because I'm going to be going live a lot during the season. I go live way more than I upload videos. So they will be coming. I will be going live at random times throughout the days, throughout the weeks. Uh, so if you want to get notified when I do go live, make sure you got the notification bell on. Make sure that you subscribe to the channel. Um, Nick, did you talk about the Tampa Bay running back? So, I mean, Ronald Jones got benched for the fumble. I think it's probably Leonard Fournette's early down job right now. Geo didn't play much, but I think that's probably more to do with the ankle sprain than it does anything else because Fournette still looks terrible catching the pass or catching the balls from Tom Brady. So I do think I think it'll probably be a lot of Fournette, a lot of Geo, uh, and we'll see Geo work more and more into it. I don't really feel comfortable starting any of them much, but if I had to start one of them next week, I'd be fine probably starting Fournette as like a shitty flex play. All right, y'all. Uh, also, obviously, in-season weekly rankings will be up on the website tomorrow or uh, every Thursday. Our waiver wire fab guidance and waiver wire priority budget article is also exclusive to the Big Dog members. Weekly rankings, Big Dog members. You'll get the titty or committee sheet. You'll get access to our private Q&Assault live stream every Saturday to help you all with your sit starts. You get access to the Discord where everybody's yelling and chirping and shit at each other about fantasy all week long. Uh, so I hope that helped you guys out. Uh, my favorite resources, again, are just straight up Twitter, lineups.com, PFF, and player profiles usually on top of their shit as well. I'm sure they'll be updating their player pages with uh, different usage charts to go forward. All right. Uh, I love y'all. I am out of here. And thank you for joining me today. Hit the thumbs up. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.